I want to talk to you today about grace, and I hope you'll extend some grace because I completely lost my voice between services. Right after the first service, I couldn't even talk, and uh, been back there <clears throat> silently praying that God would let my voice come back in time for this second service. So y'all pray for me this morning. I'll be able to to make it through the next. Um, uh, 25 or 30 minutes. I'll, I'll see how strong your praying is. If my voice goes in about 10 minutes, I'll know that, that y'all have quit praying. <laughs> I, was in, uh, I was in Jamaica several years ago, and the Jamaicans speak English, but we don't always have the same words to describe things. And one of, one of the things over there, they call your hand from the tip of your fingers to your shoulder. They don't talk about a forearm or they just, my hand hurts, they could say here. Um, and, and so you, you, you see they have, you know, kind of different expressions. And D.A. Biggs was preaching over there and he said, uh, you Jamaicans are gonna have to bear with me tonight, said uh, I'm a little hoarse. <laughs> and it totally destroyed his sermon because they couldn't get over it. They, in fact, they came up to us after service. They said, uh, he looks like a big, strong man. What does he mean? He's a little horse. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little horse this morning, but, but, but uh, simply with the throat. Yeah. I heard about one fellow that always gave God thanks for everything. It didn't matter what it was. And he got up to preach one morning and and his throat was sore. And some guy hollered at him and said, I'd like to see what you thank God for, for a sore throat. And he said, thank God I'm not a giraffe. <laughs> so there's always something to thank the Lord for. Amen. I, I want to I talk to you today about the grace of God. For many of you, perhaps even most of you, uh, this will be just a refresher, a reminder, something you already know. I probably won't give you anything that you haven't already thought about. I probably won't share anything with you that you're already are not already very familiar with. And yet from time to time, we need to be reminded of some of these very fundamental things in the Word of God. But for some of you who may be carrying a lot of guilt or a lot of shame, uh, the Lord has sent me this morning with this message to you to help you recognize more fully what the grace of God is and what the grace of God does. I titled this Grace to Get and Faith to Go. And you'll see the correlation between these two in just a moment. My text is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I want to read this same passage from the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version, as you know, does exactly what it says. It amplifies. It adds to it. It helps make it more understandable. Here's what the Amplified says. For it is by grace... And it defines it here, God's unmerited favor. For by grace are you saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves. It's not of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, 
but it is the gift of God. Dr. Charles Stanley tells a story, and it's been years since I ran across it, but I was reminded of it this week as I was preparing for today's message. Uh, he, he said when he was in Bible college, his uh, professor of Bible, um, when they came in class one day, he handed everybody a, a, a test, and it was several pages long. As they came in the doors, one of those pop quizzes kind of thing, but it was a long test. And he said to the class, now, before you take the test, let me give you the instructions, and then then I'll let you go with the test. He said, what I'd like for you to do before you start the test, I'd like for you to read all through it, all the way through it. And then you can, uh, can go back to the beginning. And Dr. Stanley said as he started reading and as his class started reading, there were moans and groans and said he didn't get through page one before he realized there was no way he could pass this test. Boy, the, the professor had really come up with a tough one. And he just kept reading and kept reading and kept reading. And when he finally got to the bottom of page three of the test, the last little paragraph of the test said, since you have now followed instructions and you have read the test to the end I would like for you to initial in the box next to this number and uh, sign your name and uh, turn in your paper and you will receive an A and he said uh, he, he, he read it and he looked at it and he, he backed off he said he in, in fact he started to go back and and take the test but but he read it again he said you know this is too good to be true just just sign your name in this box right here <laughs> he already signed his name on the front of the test but just sign your name here you get an a so finally it dawned on him maybe the professor was trying to teach him something about grace so he signed his name turned in the paper left with a smile on his face the next day he came back to talk to the professor about the exam and he said the professor explained to him or shared with him that there are three responses that he always gets when he does this. He said, number one, some just get out their pen and they just start. Doesn't matter what I said, they just start answering the questions from page one. And when they get to the end, they are so embarrassed. But it's too late because they've already written all over the, all the you know, answers. So, so they've blown it. Number two, there's some that will start reading, and by the time they finish the first page, they'll just groan because the test is so difficult, and they'll just give up and turn in their paper, realizing that they can't pass this test. But he said, finally, there's that third group of people who will read it all the way to the end, and they will initial and sign where I told them to, and they leave the room with a smile. And when I heard that story, I thought about three different reactions that people have to the grace of God. Number one, there are some people that struggle with religious pursuits all of their lives and they never enjoy the grace of God until their life is over. And then secondly, there are those who think that God's standard is just too high and they just, they just give up, they just quit. They just don't think they can live it. But then thirdly, there are those who come boldly to the throne of grace and they obtain the mercy and the grace of God 
that is true and available for us in the time of need. How many of you are glad for the grace of God today? Are you glad for that? Amen. Give him praise. That's fine. My text gives a most clear and concise answer to a question that was asked to the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, when the Philippian jailer said to not only Paul, but also Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? My text says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Now, you won't have to pray a long time for my throat this morning because I don't even have three points for this message. I just got two. How many of you believe you can get two points? You got it? Okay. If you get this, you got my message today. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about grace to get. And I want to finish it up by talking to you about faith to go. Let's start with the grace to get or to receive. Grace to get. For by grace are you saved, the scripture says. Let me define grace. First of all, grace defined, grace comes in the New Testament from a Greek word, charis. That word also speaks of gifts, but it is a free gift, grace. It is the unmerited favor of God. In the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the word grace uh, makes you, uh, it, it means to bend over and reach down or stoop down to it gives the it gives the idea of god reaching to us from heaven which is exactly what he did he reached to us from heaven i hear people sometimes in their testimonies say i found the lord on such and such a date well i understand what they're saying and i'm not trying to put anybody's testimony down but the fact is i didn't find god god found me amen he found us. He was reaching down from heaven, looking for us. And it's that grace that reached, reached to us. Here's an acronym you may have seen for grace. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Say that with me. God's riches at Christ's expense. Let's say it again. God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, the word grace, as it is defined here, um, is, is the general definition of grace. But grace is also a legal term. And so when you go to the legal dictionary to find out what grace means, the word grace is synonymous in legal terms with the word pardon. So you can, you can simply say grace or pardon. They're interchangeable here. Sometimes we use the word pardon when we refer, refer to our salvation. However, here's the problem with the legal definition. In legal terms, one who is pardoned is, is not found guiltless. It just simply means that they are free from the penalty of their guilt. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me give you an example. Some of you are old enough to remember the Watergate days way back in the 70s when um, President Nixon ultimately resigned because of the Watergate scandal and his uh, successor, President Gerald Ford, immediately gave him a pardon. That didn't mean that President Nixon was guiltless. It simply means that he was now free from any penalty of any guilt he may have been found with. So pardon only goes so far in legal terms. 
And here's the problem with that legal term and God's legal system. In God's legal system, there is no such thing as sin without a price. Something must be paid for God to be a just God, for God to be a holy God. But what grace does, and, and, and you're going to love this when you think about it. You already know it, most of you. But, but I, I want to remind you this morning, it makes my heart shout. Grace not only pardons us, which means that we are now free from the, from the penalty of the sins that we've committed in our past. But thank God, it also takes our sins and places them on Jesus who paid the full price for it, and now we are guiltless. Glory to God. We are guiltless. Somebody, yeah, let, let that sink in for a moment. We, we are now guiltless. There, that there, there must not only be a pardon, but there must also be a payment for our sins, and that's what Jesus did. Let me give you scripture for it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin might live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed praise god do you know that when jesus went to the cross he didn't go to the cross and die for his sins because he didn't have any he was the sinless son of god amen he knew no sin he went to the cross with your sin he went to the cross with my sin that's the sin he took to the cross. And that's the price that he paid the penalty so that we don't have to pay the penalty and we're free from it. Let me give you a third definition of grace. And that uh, further defined in spiritual terms, there's the word justified. And there's a whole doctrine of justification. I won't take a long time to deal with that, but let me just give it to you in its simplest form. Justified means that you have made, been made or I have been made just as if I had never sinned. Say that with me. Just as if I had never sinned. Say it again. Just as if I had never sinned. Wow. Praise the Lord. Not only did the Lord Jesus take my sins in his body to the cross of Calvary and pay the full debt of it, but when I came to Jesus and accepted his grace for my forgiveness, repented of my sins, he washed my sins with his blood, now they no longer exist. And that means that God has now made me just as though I had never Sin. Oh, glory to God. Glory. Somebody ought to, ought to get happy over that one. Praise God. That's what we have in the Lord Jesus. We're now justified. Some of you need to get rid of some guilt. Some of you need to get rid of some shame. Some of you need to realize that what you've taken to the cross of Calvary and put under the blood of Jesus, it is gone. It will never be brought up against you again forever. In fact, and you've heard me say this before, if the devil were to go before God this morning and accuse you of your sins that you committed in the past before you took them to the cross, 
God would call the devil exactly what he is, and that is a liar, because those sins no longer exist. Your record is clear. Glory to God. Hallelujah. What we have in the Lord. Now, in John chapter 8, the apostle John gives us a historical account of an incident that took, life, uh, took place in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus was ministering one day, and here comes a bunch of religious folks. I mean, I'm talking about church folks. I'm talking about Pharisees and Sadducees and elders and scribes. And, and uh, we're talking about the high echelon at the church. Here they come. And they elbow their way through the crowd till they come right up face to face with Jesus. And they're dragging this little woman behind them. And they throw her down at the feet of Jesus. And they say, all right, Mr. Master, Mr. Teacher, you teaching us about the law and what the Word of God says? The law of Moses says that this woman is to be stoned to death because we caught her. This is not hearsay. This is not gossip. This is not what somebody told us. We caught this woman in the act of adultery. We caught her committing an immoral act. And here we throw her down before you. And we want to we wanna hear what you got to say now. <clears throat> now, here's, here's the true fact of the matter. The law says that this woman should be stoned. The crowd, the community of that day says that this woman should be stoned. The church of that day even said that this woman should be stoned. But I love this. I love this. There's a lot of humor in the Gospels, and you've got to read slow and careful to see it sometimes. And, and, I, and I see humor in this event. I, I know this is very serious. I, I'm, I mean, if, if somebody's fixing to take your life, I mean, that's about as serious as it can get, isn't it? But, but here's what I think's funny about this story. Here's a bunch of religious guys. First of all, they're a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, if they're going to drag this woman out here to be uh, stoned to death, why didn't they drag that man out there to be stoned to death too? Amen? Um, you, you understand? Um, last, last time I checked, it, it takes two. And, uh, and, and so they don't, they don't bring, I don't know what they had against that woman. I, I got a feeling that that they had something against her. They, they've, been, they've set this up. They've been watching and waiting for the opportunity to get something on this old gal. And they finally got something. And so they just drag her. They don't even bother to get the other guilty party. And, and here's what they think that they're going to have. Boy, they think, we got this old gal now. Boy, we're going to show her. I don't know whether she embarrassed them sometime or another. I don't know whether she rejected them. I don't know what she did to these guys. But, but anyway, they, here's what they had in mind. You, we, we got her now. We're going to have a public execution right here in town square. In, in front of, in fact, Jesus and his disciples, we're going to put them on the spot. They'll probably have to throw stones themselves. Because we're going to hold the law over them. We're going we're gonna to find out if they really believe the word of God or not. And, and so they, they drag this woman out here thinking that they're going to have a public execution. Here's what's funny about that to me. Instead of a public shaming of that woman, they wound up getting publicly shamed 
and she gets forgiven. Glory to God. That whole thing backfired on her. I mean, it did a 180. It turned all the way around. And, and, and listen, folks, that's what happened to us. That's what happened to us. Satan thought he had us in, in, in his clutches. He thought he had us dead to sinner where he could destroy us. Remember, Jesus said, thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He thought he had us set up for our destruction, and we ran smack into the grace of Almighty God. Glory to God. And Jesus turned that whole thing around for his glory. He, he, does it, he does it every time, if you'll allow him to, his, his grace. Now, here's, here's what I want. I want to get to my second point now. She ran into the grace of the Lord. And you know the story. Jesus didn't even bother to answer these guys. He just stooped down and started writing on the ground. Now, actually, if you'll study historically... That, that area was a, was a cobblestone pavement area. I don't know whether there was enough dust on the ground for him to write on or whether he supernaturally wrote in those stones just like he did on Mount Sinai when he wrote the Ten Commandments. But he wrote on those stones on the ground. Now, I don't know what he wrote because the Bible doesn't tell us. And I'm not... I'm, what I'm fixing to tell you, I'm not telling you that this is what Jesus wrote because I don't know what he wrote. But I do have an imagination. <laughs> I, I, got a, I got a feeling that perhaps he wrote the Ten Commandments. And he might have written the, each one of these guys' names beside the commandment that they had broken. How many of you realize that we've all broken one of those commandments at some time or another? in our lives there's not a man woman boy girl alive today except maybe some of these babies around here that hasn't broken god's law somewhere sometime some way somehow but jesus starts writing <laughs> it's so interesting because as he's writing and they're looking at it they start going whoa and it starts with the oldest and he backs out and in a little while, the next one, he, and he got them every one in order according to their age. They just started backing out. So, so he, he probably wrote their name down. He might have wrote somebody else's name beside it. I mean, who knows? You, you just don't know what Jesus wrote there. <laughs> but, but long story short, when Jesus got finished writing in that cobblestone, all of these accusers were gone. And so Jesus turns to this woman and he said, woman, where are your accusers? And she looked around and she said, well, Lord, they're all gone. I, I don't have any. Here's what I want you to get. Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. She ran into the grace of God. The grace of God set her free from her guilt. The grace of God set her, set her free from her condemnation. The grace of God set her free from her shame. And the grace of God, remember the biblical definition is, it comes from the word charis, which also means gift. The grace of God gifted her to be able to live now above the sin that she had been living 
all of her life or most of her life. You see, and I know sometimes I've heard people say, if you go overboard on grace, you're just going to give people a license to sin. No, 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 no. If you understand grace to its fullness, grace not only sets you free, but grace empowers you now to live a different life. Glory to God. Yes, give God praise for that. In, in, in fact, in fact, uh, Paul said, I, I've had a change of heart. He said, my, my desires have changed. My whole outlook has changed. Things I used to love, I now just don't care for at all. In fact, I hate them. Some of the things that I used to hate, I now love. My whole life has changed. Well, listen, that's what happens when you respond to grace. I'm talking about grace to get. When you receive that grace and accept that grace into your life by repenting of your sins and letting the blood of Jesus wash away your sins, then that grace gifts you and you, you exercise your faith to embrace this. It, it, does, it does all kind of things for you. I mentioned a while ago, it justifies you. It makes you just as though you've never sinned. There's another word that we use, and it's a word regeneration. And that's what being born again is. It, it literally regenes you. You were born into this world with a genetic code towards sin because of the Adamic nature of sin that's in all of us. But when you get born again, glory to God, God gives you a new DNA. Amen. You're now part of the family of God. You, you, you've, got, you've got some new genes. Hallelujah. You, you've got a new genetic disposition that gives you, that grace gives you the strength, the power, the courage, the ability now to walk out in newness of life and become more and more and more like Jesus every day. Somebody give him praise for that. Amen. <clears throat> You know, in the prodigal son story in Luke chapter 15, it was the son, it was the prodigal son that had trouble with grace. Took him so long to finally come to himself and come home. And then his older brother sitting out on the back porch, pouting and wouldn't come in. He had problems with grace because he couldn't give grace to his brother and couldn't accept the grace. But the father had no problems with grace. The father had no problems with grace. Listen to me this morning, church. There's some of you sitting here this morning. You think that God's not willing to forgive you. You think that God doesn't love you because you don't measure up or because you haven't done everything like everybody thinks you're supposed to. God has no trouble with grace at all. The father has no problem. God is standing this morning with arms wide open, stretched out, ready to extend to you. You can run right smack into the grace of God this morning if you'll just open your heart and receive it by faith and he'll give you the power to go in his name stand with me if you will please <clears throat> in conclusion all of the other religions of the world you can study them all and if you want to boil their creed down to one word, here's what you'll find in all the religions of the world. A word with two letters, D-O. What does that spell? Do. 
That's what all the religions of the world, you do this and you'll get this. You do this and you'll get this. You do this and you'll achieve a higher life in the next life. You do this and you'll reach your nirvana. You do this and you'll get something in eternity. You do, it's all do, two words, two letters, do, do, do. That's the religions of the world. Christianity, when you boil everything down that we believe, consists of four letters. D-O-N-E. What does that spell? Done. 2,000 years ago, on a cross suspended between heaven and earth, on a hill called Mount Calvary, it was done. The price was paid. Stamp paid in full. It is done. It is done. I want to tell you this morning, there's not a thing you can do to make God love you any more than he already does. He already loves you. Uh, and there's nothing you can do that make him love you any less. God loves you. And, and listen this morning, if, if you'll just come to God, you'll run right slap into his grace. It's already done. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. He's paid it all. I want the prayer team to come. Brother Steve's coming a moment to lead us in a song and sing with us. And, and, but while, while they're getting ready to pray, and I want to give you an opportunity to pray, I want to encourage you to pray. You may want to come and let somebody agree with you for whatever it is you're praying for or need to pray with you about the faith to go. Somebody, that's all you need to do this morning is just embrace God's grace with faith, just believing that God's going to give you the strength to walk this thing out. I, I remember several years ago, and I've shared this story with you before, several years ago when, when we were in Griffin, Georgia, we had some friends that started coming to our church. I'd known them in college, and, and, and J.B. was a pretty rough guy, and he was, he was a pretty rough sinner, and I was preaching one Sunday night, and and I saw that, that God was really dealing with J.B. during the altar service. And so while other folks were praying, I slipped back and I said to him, he was a great big guy, so he looked down at me. And I said to him, J.B., and he was white-knuckling it, boy. I mean, he was hanging on to that pew in front of him. I said, why don't, you, why don't you just surrender to the Lord tonight? And he said, I can't. And I, and he said, I said, why can't you? And he said, preacher, you don't understand. I can't live it. And I shocked him. I just backed up a little bit, and I stuck out my hand. I said, put her there. He grabbed my hand. And he said, what do you mean? I said, shake my hand, buddy. No, you can't live it. I can't live it either. The pastor can't live it. There isn't anybody in this room that can live it. But I want to tell you this. If you will come and allow God to immerse you in his grace, he'll live it through you. He'll live it through you. He'll live it through you. Glory to God. That's what Paul's talking about being a new creation. He'll live it through you. He'll live it through you. He'll live it through you. So whatever you need today, whatever it is you're struggling with, I want you to come during this time of prayer and just, just run right straight into the grace of God. Some of you just need to come and thank God again, just as a refresher. Lord, I thank you for your grace. And I'm going to let you just live in me and work through me throughout this next week.
and on into the future. If you're unsaved this morning, come give your heart to Jesus. If you're away from God, come on home. If you're sick in body, come and let, let's pray and believe God for your healing. If you have needs, family needs, I don't know what you're dealing with. Whatever you're dealing with this morning, I want to tell you, the grace of God is sufficient. Amen. God bless you as you pray.